Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Reactionaries Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe Gruen. Joe, before we get started, uh, an apology for this movie. It is bad, and yeah. I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So um, this week's movie is The Assignment from 2016, starring Michelle Rodriguez as two different characters, yes. both named Frank Kitchen, according to the credits, two different characters, uh, Tony Shalhoub and Sigourney Weaver. Um, and it's real bad. It, uh, traces a hitman played by Michelle Rodriguez who gets forced trans transition surgery and is then a woman and all the fallout from that. And it's real bad, Joe. Joe, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I just realized I didn't look up all the budgetary stuff though. Who cares? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie is... Uh, it's a thing. It's definitely um, a thing. And I wanted to talk to you um, before we get into it. You usually start out with, with the financial thing, but I wanted to talk to you about it because last week or the last episode, we talked about Walter Hill, Joe, who yes. produced this movie. Yes. Um, and we joked like, what if this is his death machines? Yes. Joe, this is Walter Hill's death machines. Did he say it's his death machines? He great. wrote the script in 1978. He directed it. He produced it. Okay. He, this is his passion project. Okay. This all makes sense now. Do you realize that? that it was written in 1978. Yes. And he probably didn't listen to anybody. Didn't make any changes, probably. <laughs> yeah. And um, Joe? Yeah. You know how there's like a weird comic book style throughout yeah. the movie? Yes. Joe, Walter Hill wrote a comic version of The Assignment. Yeah, that's what that's referencing. Yes, this and it came out before the movie, like in the run up to the movie. Uh, Joe, this is his death machines. This is his labor of love. This okay. is what he took his alien money, his aliens money, mm -hmm. his warriors money. He took all of this and he's like, this is my magnum opus, The Assignment. Yes. Starring Michelle Rodriguez with a prosthetic penis. It took him 30 plus years to get it onto the screen. He, it took him 30 plus years of people going, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> it just no. got rejection. No. We're not doing this. Until Netflix came along and said, hey. <laughs> we'll do this. Yeah, they were like, Walt, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. Um, so, so, yeah, I got really excited because it was um, – it was his it was his death machines. We joked that what if this is his death machines and it actually was. And Joe, I have uh, box office figures for the assignment. I can't find what it what it cost to make. Yes. But there is a definite question about if uh, death machines or the assignment has made more money. Interesting. OK. Domestic box office for the de for uh, the assignment. OK. Two two hundred six thousand dollars. <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> was it released in theaters? I, I mean, it would have to if it was. Yeah, it was released in theaters. Um, international box office, $600,000. Uh, so it did make. Wow. It ended up making about $1.1 million. So it did make more than Death Machines. But this movie, I never heard of it until yeah. I was scrolling through, through Netflix. Seeing the budget was under $3 million. So it's still somehow a three million dollar movie somehow managed to lose two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yowza! Big yikes, 
Joe, I want to talk about anything but this movie, but uh, we should we should probably get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was an hour and a half and I was really excited because the first minute, minute, minute and a half was all logos. <laughs> yeah. It really cut down on the amount of time I had to actually watch this movie. Yeah. Lionsgate was even involved, right? That was I think so. Yeah. Uh, along with Saban and, and some others. Uh, so then we get what kind of looks like a production. I actually thought the opening of this movie was another production company because it kind of looked the yeah. way production, you know, opening would. But uh, it's the panning down over a light bulb from from the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get a close up of Frank's bandaged face. Yes. And Frank says, I killed a lot of guys. This is him narrating. Uh, I killed a lot of guys. They were worthless pieces of shit, but I killed them. And you're not supposed to kill people. So what happened to me? I guess maybe in the end it was a lot better than what I deserved. But it takes a long time to work that out. In the meantime, you just want to get even. I said, what a monologuist. (laughs) Joe, I paused this and I laughed so hard at what I called Dora the Explorer doing the Bale Batman voice. (laughs) Because when she, okay, we didn't throw up our anti-cancellation shield. There's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of misgendering this episode because she's forcibly, or he is forcibly transitioned to being a woman and then halfway through the movie has to reconcile with living as a, as a woman who wants to be a man but can't be a man so no i gotta throw up the anti-cancellation shield because this movie is wild with that I, it's so hard to keep it straight yeah you um, can't talk about this movie without misgendering but times. you can laugh at her stupid man voice right you can because <laughs> <laughs> michelle rodriguez tries so hard to sound like a man and just comes off yeah like dora the explorer trying to do christian bale batman voice totally totally um so uh, from that point, we get a comic book transition to the title. Mm-hmm. Now you've better explained to me is because of this comic book that he made. Uh, back that in- he expected to be a smash hit, which is why he uh, put all of this in the thing, probably. All the comic book stuff. All the weird comic transitions. Yeah, I just thought it was trying to be like a Sin City ripoff. But like that, that brings it into perspective. And then we end up in a place called the... Uh, the in- what I called the interview room or the interview hospital uh, where Tony Shalhoub is introduced as Dr. Ralph Galen. And he's interviewing Sigourney Weaver, who Mm -hmm. is Dr. Jane, but he refers to her simply as the doctor. Uh, And they're at the Mendocino psych facility, starting uh, a trend of reminding us that this movie takes place in the Bay area. Constantly. Yes. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is at peak pretentiousness in this opening scene, and it never she never dials it back. No, she she hits this she hits the ground running with uh, pretentiousness and um, just complete contempt for everything going on, and it it never it never slows up. The not whole Shakespeare, not knowing Poe, basically anything will set her off. Yeah, she's trying really hard to be Hannibal Lecter. I think that that it's weird because if Walter Harrell wrote this in 78, he didn't rip off Hannibal Lecter. But in her performance, she's definitely cribbing from Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, because this was shot in 2017. So she's yeah. 
she's applying that aspect to it. Um, so Dr. Galen begins this interview by talking about the night police found the doctor unconscious with four dead bodies and then mentions her illegal surgical operation, which the doctor insists is really more of a charitable organization. <laughs> um, a gun was found on her assistant, Albert, but the doctor says it was Frank Kitchen's gun. Uh, Galen doesn't buy it. Uh, the bullets from the gun match the bullets in all of the bodies. Um, so the doctor thinks her cokehead poonhound of a brother, Sebastian, was a very special person. Yes, who I called him Dime Store Gary Oldman. Yes. <laughs> yes he also kind of looked like um oh what's that guy's name i i I can't remember um he's he's from he's the guy that dances really weird in one of the friday the 13th movies he's always a weird guy he was in hot tub time machine as the guy uh the um i'm just gonna lift list off a series of movies hold on hang on to hot tub time john cusack no 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 (laughs) He's, he plays oh, the belt. Crispin, Crispin Glover? Crispin Glover. He okay, looks yeah. Knock off Crispin Glover, too. Yeah, that, that's that's another uh, good uh, comp for him. Yeah, uh, but more in appearance, yeah. Uh, so anyway, there are more stupid comic transitions. None of these times or locations matter, so I'm just not going to list them. I've decided um, at this point we're only five minutes in. Yeah, they keep jumping around. And the best part is the, this... um. Sigourney Weaver and Tony Shalhoub, this opening scene, they just do exposition. They're just like, okay, so this is the opening scene in the movie. We need to set the stage. And they just do all this exposition. And then uh, Sigourney Weaver, and these scene, scenes are audience stand-ins because they're, neither one of them wants to be there. Yes. And they're both just so contemptuous for each other. And then after he gives the, the rundown, the exposition, Sigourney Weaver says, do you feel relieved now that you've gotten all that off your shoulders? <laughs> like, it's it's like, that's the audience going, okay, so we understand the movie. So we can get into the movie now. And we can get to the part where the guy gets turned into a girl, which is why I'm watching this movie. Yeah, and you know the number one rule of movies, tell, don't show. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, another thing before I jump into the cut to her brother uh, is this all kind of has this weird usual suspects feel like this movie really feels like, you know how, in the sense that it's a retelling of a story from the past mm-hmm. taking place in an interview room mm-hmm. between supposedly a uh, smarter person than the other person, but the other person is trying to figure it's a little, it's a confused version of the usual suspects is what I yeah. should say. And it's weird because you'd think, oh, okay, he's ripping it off. But this movie was written in 1978, Joe. Right. Yeah, he's not. Um, Joe, what if this was an underground Hollywood script that all these other movies cribbed from? Picked pieces from. Hey, this sucks. But let's take a piece of it because this is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, this if if this Hannah. okay, so this doctor, whatever, who cares? Dr. Jane. Okay, we'll make her Hannibal Lecter. Let's take this format. Okay, that's the interviews and the usual usual suspects. Right. Maybe maybe this was an underground thing that kind of uh, gave everybody their inspiration. The script that everyone had a ride on, so to speak. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Sebastian, we cut to him, 
And three years earlier, yes. 30 years earlier in New York. Soho. I, Soho. Okay. So it's 15 a.m. Because apparently that's important to tell. Right. Uh, Sebastian is a. Yes, they do that time. Sorry. <laughs> a lot. Where it's like, great. Move on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, they, Joe, they're doing military text in this dumb movie about uh, kidnapping and someone. prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. And pinball afterwards. So Sebastian is a prostitute yelper, basically. He critiques uh, this hooker while playing pinball um, and tells her she's terrible at what she's decided to do. Um, then we then we cut back. OK, <laughs> so that was that's it for that sliver of the scene. We cut back to the interview room. The doctor is convincing Galen to undo her straitjacket arms. Um, and I said, was there a point to this cutback? Nope. You could have done this before she dived into the story. Yeah, it's it didn't make any I thought that it was going to I mean, maybe it plays off. It pays off later when she like attacks him, but that's no, but they just could have. I get that, but they could have just done that before they ever jumped to Sebastian berating the hooker. Well, if see, here's my thing. If that had something had come of it, it would have made sense to highlight it, but nothing ever came of it. Right. That that was kind of my like she attacked him, but that's like an hour and a half later into this hour and a half movie. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a bad idea as it's happening, but it's not yeah. important enough to highlight. Exactly. Clearly doing. So then it cuts back to the Soho flashback. Sebastian is doing cocaine and making up his own song, which goes like this. I just want to la, 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 la. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole song. Do we do we owe Walter Hill uh, uh, royalties now for for his song that he wrote? Possibly, yes. We got to be very careful. Um, this guy's looking to make money back actively. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we see Frank come in in the background, and we get our first reveal of Frank. Frank is just we we had kind of like speculated on what Michelle Rodriguez might be in this, what the original Frank might be in this movie. Yeah. Be a man. Would it be Frank in a goatee? And then you revealed to me it's Frank in a beard. And I thought I knew what I was going to see. Nope. I know. <laughs> it's basically just Michelle Rodriguez with like a Team America beard. So if you yeah. remember where they patch on a bunch of like pubic hair to the doll's face, that's what Michelle Rodriguez looks like in this. And she's got a fake schnoz. The fake notes, yes. It's a subtly, I would say, subtly fake notes. It's, it's definitely big, but at first I barely even noticed it. It's so funny. And it only works because Michelle Rodriguez has kind of a tiny nose. And that's the only reason why I was like, wait a second. Yeah, once once she moved, when they transitioned her later, and I saw her real nose, I was like, oh, she does have a much smaller nose than this. Yeah, but it really, this beard is so distracting. And they don't even try to, like, like... Oh God, Joe. We'll get to it. They do, They make a choice in this. I'm like, why did you do that? You could have not done that. It looks so awkward. Yeah, it's funny it, that they had her keep the ponytail. That seems like the easiest thing to make her look more like a guy. Yeah, but then, but yeah, but then you get the problem of why does Michelle Rodriguez have long hair after she's? Oh yeah, but you wouldn't give her long hair afterwards. Oh, okay, so she would go short hair. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if that was their plan, but Michelle Rodriguez was like, 
I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> possibly. Um, so we do know that the worse the movie, the more the actors call the shots. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're as highlighted by Adam West drunkenly rewriting the script to uh, uh, Omega Cop. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so Sebastian says, "I'm sorry" over and over again, like a five-year-old, while he gets shot to death. Okay. Um, yeah, he's just like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." It's weird. Uh, so then there's another crappy comic book transition. I think we're up to three at this point in seven minutes. We go we're back. Only, we're only seven minutes into this movie. Correct. <laughs> we go back to the interview room. The doctor says she paid money to find out the killer's identity. And that is Frank Kitchen. Uh, Galen doesn't believe in Frank Kitchen. And I'm not sure why. <laughs> because um, as this movie goes on, it's it's fairly clear that there had to be another person at the scene of the crime. That it's, it's also fairly clear that there is a string of murders that all could be tied. If they just took Dr. Jane's story and they were like, okay, so there was all these murders and you say that Honest John did it. Somebody wiped out Honest John's entire crew. Yes. A lot and tied Honest John to a chair and shot him to death. Yes. So the why why do they doubt that Frank Kitchen's exi- Frank Kitchen exists? Because I think they think it's Albert, but we will get, get What's Albert it? kill all of Frank all of Honest John's crew? We'll get to why that's not possible. Okay. <laughs> it comes later. So I hate uh, this movie so much. The doctor then calls Galen an idiot, which seems like a poor decision. Uh, considering her situation. She tells him to not be an idiot, Joe. She's giving him helpful advice. Okay, so she has respect for him as a person, and he's simply acting like an idiot. Yes, he is not inherently an idiot, just his actions are those of an idiot. So she's just patronizing him. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, so then we flash to our second spot in SF, the Tenderloin. Uh, oh, goody. Joe, what are you going to do here? <laughs> the tenderloin that classically has Chinese restaurants in it. Not Chinatown. Yeah. But the tenderloin. Yeah. I, I mean, know I mean, the Chinese restaurants there. I know, but if you're doing they they could just say it was Chinatown if they're going into a Chinese restaurant. I know. Okay, so if you don't know there's no African Americans in this entire movie. <laughs> that's that's so true. It's staged in Chinatown. You're right. Yeah, especially because it's like it's a it's a Chinese restaurant, a hotel owned by Asian people, Chinese yeah. people. <clears throat> Why isn't this Chinatown? Should have been. It should have been Chinatown. I mean, it was filmed in Vancouver, so there is that. I mean, they wanted was it really filmed in Vancouver? Yeah. Uh, I guess they just wanted it like Tenderloin comes with such a grimy reputation. Yeah. Well, then cover up the Chinese restaurant. Don't have a Chinese owner of the hotel it's really easy at the very least yeah um okay so frank checks into the nicest tenderloin motel that i've ever seen there are no addicts or blood stains in the lobby whatsoever yeah oh by the way uh that's right um they made that a chinese restaurant that wasn't a chinese restaurant initially it's um kent's restaurant or kent's kitchen in vancouver yeah 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 so they did it up to be a Chinese food restaurant, and then they were like, this isn't Chinatown. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm harping on this because this is the level of detail this movie gets. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So Frank then, uh, Frank Kitchen doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's pretty much inconsequential. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't need to talk. And then when you talk, you're like, okay, I understand why you don't, why you don't talk so much. <laughs> it's one of those things. Somebody a long time ago told him, well, if you don't have something interesting to say, don't talk. And he's like, all right, well, I'll choose the second one. I'm so, not going to find something interesting to say. Yeah. Uh, so Frank showers and we see he has the most feminine male body I've ever seen. Uh, like when, when you hear the word feminine hips, you really get the picture of what that looks like in this yeah. scene. And uh, he's equipped with pubic hair all over his chest and a CGI pro- or prosthetic dong. I don't know which one. It That's is. a prosthetic dong, Joe. It's, it's prosthetic. Pros- yeah, because when I was looking into this movie, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, they they did the thing where they're like, which one of these would you like? And it was just a bunch of prosthetic dongs, and uh, she chose her own penis. Interesting. So the front is clearly CGI. Is the- it CGI? I thought it was just a really bad prosthesis. No, because it's too flat. Like they would have, they would have had to. I don't know how they would have like eliminated her breasts. Essentially, like I. It, it it looked like it was it was CGI. Although I guess it could be prosthesis. I don't know much about that. Yeah, I think it's a prosthetic, Joe. So they must have just like strapped her in and then yeah. some sort of fake chest on her. Yeah, that's gotta be uh yeah, dude. Uh she said it took four hours of her getting into the makeup for the uh for that scene. Okay. Well, you know, I'll give him credit for that because that is not easy to do whatsoever. Yeah. It's um, um... But it also looks ridiculous. <laughs> it looks so preposterous. And this is, you, you talk about feminine hips. Joe, okay, so we established in the Fast and Furious movies, we didn't talk about we're back with our old friend Letty, really. But in the Fast and Furious movies, we established she's pretty jacked. She's she's lady jacked. Well, she's ripped. Yeah. I, I, well, well uh, that's true. Next well, to like Gina Carano and Ronda Rousey, she's not jacked. But she's lady ripped. That's what we should say. She's, she's what? Ripped. Toned. Yeah, she's very toned. But... She's also clearly, like, when you look at her arms and shoulders, clearly still a woman. And they have all these scenes where they're showing her arms and shoulders when she's supposed to be a man. Put some sleeves on because right. it is so distracting. <laughs> it is so. And this is the decision they made. This is they could have just had her have the jacket on. But oh. no, they want to have these little baby arms for yeah. this is the most feminine dude of all time because it's a woman. Yes, it's a woman. It's it's as. Woman of a woman is there could be. That's why that Gina Carano line kind of makes sense. It's like you could kind of or like Ronda Rousey. You kind of make either of those into a guy fairly easily because they work out regular. Like they have like these jacks. They have big shoulders. They're they're they have big shoulders and arm. Like you could make it work. But Michelle Rodriguez is is toned. She's a a thin toned woman, and it just looks insane when she's supposed to be a man. It's like a 13 year old boy trying to be a man <laughs> like it's a, a 13 year old boy yeah with a big beard yeah <laughs> it's very weird uh so uh i said i guess this place isn't that nice housekeeping is now scrubbing out a blood stain while the mob walks in yeah it was good at first but i guess they just take care of it yeah i guess like a person oh i said i'm not surprised a person got shot in the time it took frank to take a shower but I am surprised the cops came and swept the scene before. <laughs> or, the- 
Or the owner was just like, ah, another one. Just drag him out the back and we'll clean up and throw him in the dumpster. <laughs> um, so then we go back to the interview room and Galen wants to talk about Honest John Baconian. Or Bacon, Baconian. Um, <laughs> the doctor uh, says, good king, great king, and yet not greatly good. Then she shits on Galen for not knowing Shakespeare. Who cares? <laughs> Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-doo. We, look, we all went through high school. We all read The Tempest and, and uh, you know. We forgot it like normal people. <laughs> yeah. We all it just went in one ear and out the other. Uh, Honest John, uh, we find out, supplied the doctor with hobos to experiment. Mm-hmm. Then we flash back to the motel. Honest John calls. Oh wait, wait, hold on. This is where we get the the um, Doctor Galen uh, being the stand-in for the audience this time because because Doctor Jane is doing her whole, uh, you know, oh Honest John, he's such a Darwinian creature, and he's just like, right, okay, can we <laughs> like can we get back on topic, please? But dumb monsters love quoting Bill Shakespeare. That's why uh, William Shakespeare. That's why uh, Alex Jones quotes Will Shakespeare a lot. Does he? Yes. So, um, but he calls him Bill Shakespeare. Interesting connection. Yes, of course. <laughs> They're friends. <laughs> They're yes. I was gonna say. <laughs> They're very personal. Um, yeah. All right. So then we're back to Honest John and, and them in the and Frank in the Tenderloin. So Honest John calls Frank Frankie. Mm-hmm. And calls his version of Odd Job a, That's what I put, yeah. a backstabbing motherfucking chinky. He doesn't trust him, but he does love him. I love the casual, and then he like he like puts him in a headlock and kisses him on the head. Yes, yeah, very very <laughs> patronizing, like just just awful. Um, so then, Honest John wants Frank to wait a week to mm-hmm. kill the man he wants killed. And then there's a montage of a, a hitman routine where, uh, like, like Frank is, like, getting ready for a hit or, like, she's holed up in the hotel, basically, for a week. Yeah. You see her hide a bullet in the heel of her shoe. Uh-oh. Yes. So, uh, then we, she goes out. No, I'm sorry. He goes out. Mm-hmm. Frank meets a girl named Johnny at the Shamrock Bar. And brings her back to the motel, and they bang. And then Frank Kitchen, oh, I said this, Frank Kitchen, the man who stays in tenderloin motel rooms and kills for money, uses a condom. Yes, and Johnny is very unimpressed when he opens the condom. She's just kind of just got this, like, sour face, like, all right, let's get on with it. Yeah, it's and- almost like someone who never had a dick is opening a condom for the first time. <laughs> And this is where I, this is where I wrote a little song, and it goes, "Well, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take a ah, I screwed it up, but I'll take a bet this role you'll regret. This is the worst film that's ever been." Interesting. That's a little uh, uh, devil went down to Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> went down to Georgia. You should have prefaced with that, then I could have said. Nope. Joe, you know, I'm gonna put as much effort into this as the filmmakers did. <laughs> so, um. Then Johnny leaves her number while they get some later uh, or late night post-sex coffee. I've never heard of. Yes. 
seems like the worst time to get coffee. In the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, so then we get three pictures of William Shakespeare in this just... So weird. Noxious editing. Um, I yeah, like, and, and they show up one at a time with like... Like we're supposed to be excited and care. And that's the transition. So then Galen, we go back to him, and he's bitching about the doctor's pretentiousness. Then snarks at uh, other guy for, oh, yeah, because this is when he's talking to some other guy. Um, I don't know if we ever get his name, but he's like basically going on and on about how annoying talking to the doctor is, about how she always has to be right and put him down and stuff. And then he, but then he snarks at this other guy for asking an Edgar Allan Poe question. Like he's, yeah. he's like, she's always getting on my case. Uh, today she got on my case for Poe. The guy's like Edgar Allen. Yeah. Like, there any other? <laughs> everybody in this movie has so much contempt for everybody else in this movie. It's just pretentious. It's just overwhelming pretentiousness. Um, I said I have no idea what the doctor is rambling about in this scene. Uh, lots of fancy words that don't go anywhere. Yeah, just a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. Is all of this just so much? Bah. Yeah, and I could have written a lot of these down, but I would have made this podcast so much longer than I wanted it to be. I would have been spending so much more time on this movie than I wanted, and it was endless. You could probably make thirty minutes worth. Thirty minutes of this movie is Sigourney Weaver talking. Yeah, and speeching. It's and you awful. could just cut that out. All of it. Um, so then we flash back to the hotel, and Honest John returns, right? It's been a week. And he knocks on uh, Frank's door, comes in, and says that, uh, well, there's been a problem, um, and he made a better deal with somebody. And then he knocks, and mixed in with the surgery montage, there's a clear shot of a bowl of chunked flesh. I am not sure what that is, and I'm not sure that I want to know what that was. Yeah, that's um unusual. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's uh, the inside of the man parts. It's the testicles is what I'm guessing it's supposed to be. Because it's not just two. It's something like four. So either he had – and we've seen his dong. It's not this massive. Right? That's like true. A horse dong. If it was a just sliced up dong. Um. Anywho, we spent enough time on that. Michelle Rodriguez has her face wrapped for dramatic effect. Uh, it seems to serve no medical purpose whatsoever. Yeah, there's no scars. There's no blood. There's no nothing. Yeah. Um, then oh, I said Michelle Rodriguez picked a weird movie to go full frontal in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she gets really this is the scene that i laughed so hard at because you know she was trying to be like this is her like big acting scene but it was just trying to be a guy who just lost his penis yeah her... and she like drops to her knees and does like the darth vader no scream and gets really mad at her boobs and throws a chair against the wall she hates yeah. her boobs. <laughs> she hates her boobs so much she keeps grabbing them and being like no get these off of me um yeah, also, um, <laughs> I liked it because when she took off the bandages. What, so what's happened here? There's She's obviously done some surgery on the nose, right? Made yeah. it small, but there's no scarring there. Yeah. And yeah. what, they sh shaved her beard off? Is that what we're looking at? <laughs> they did a really bad job of shaving it. So there was a lot of little cuts on her face. And so they had to bandage her whole head. Yeah, they used, like, the hotel razor. <laughs> yeah, 
And they didn't, it was a beard and they didn't, I mean, she's a woman. She doesn't know. You got to trim up the beard first before you shave it. So she just shaved it. And so she cut up Frank's face. That's the problem. Angled. Yeah. Um, so Frank's not happy with her new anatomy, as we said, uh, his new anatomy. Yeah, this is where it gets confusing. <laughs> so <laughs> this uh, is where it starts to fly off the rails. Yeah. He starts smashing a chair against the wall. Uh, the doctor took all the hair. Oh, he said this. the doctor took all the hair from Frank's chest and put it between his legs because there's serious 70s bush happening. Um, OK, so this alerts the manager who visits her with a bat, storms yes. on her and insists that she's a hooker. Because only hookers walk around naked in their own hotel rooms. Yeah, right? He busts, he kicks the door down. And he's like, what is this impropriety in here? Uh, yeah, this dude's pickup routine stinks. <laughs> yeah, this is also the guy we thought was a woman in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, when he's coming at her with a bat later. Yeah. Um, he, it, coming after him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the doctor left hormone pills and an audio recording mm-hmm. with instructions. Uh, she also left feminine clothing and $100 for sundries. Yeah. Which is an annoying way. <laughs> of saying odds and ends, you know, food. Um, also paid for room with uh, for two weeks. Yeah, to recover. Yes. Uh, I said, oh, God, more pointless Shakespeare. Someone tell Sigourney this movie's not getting any Oscar nods. No, she's really hoping that she could get some sort of nod for it, but uh, no. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, so the song plays in the background. Oh, this is where we get this really great song uh, that's totally subtle. That starts, I was a boy. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. This is le- this is as subtle as the, uh, the cannibal song in Karate Cop. Yeah, and you'll be hearing this at the end of the podcast because it is the only song in this movie. <laughs> we didn't get a lot of choices this time. Um, Frank takes the hormones and then goes outside in an open robe to show off her new body at the liquor store. Yeah, didn't close the robe, didn't put on any clothes, just kind of wandered down the street half naked. Yeah, although I guess that's what it would be well, not really. <laughs> it it would, like that's what it'd be like if you got like a female body and you weren't used to it. And then it was like, no, you'd still wear a fucking clothing. <laughs> yeah, you're not an exhibitionist just because you all of a sudden you're like, hey, check out my lady body. Yeah. Um. So she gets drunk. I'm super jelly. Mm-hmm. Uh. She attempts as he attempts to rob the motel. Uh. The pervy manager tries to stop him. With a bat, gets his ass kicked by a, uh, not sure. Just gets worked over. Gets worked over by somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, 30 minutes have passed. Uh, then we just, uh, oh, I said I just realized that the operation took place in a separate motel that also looked like shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, everything looks bad. It's, it, yeah, I mean the operation happened in a in a different hotel than Frank was originally staying. Is my point? Yes, and now Frank's in a different hotel. Yeah, and Frank has come back to the original hotel. She's yes, the operating place hotel and gone back to the original hotel. 
where she sees the Asian manager uh, who is mad that the room was trashed by Honest John's men. And she keeps switching between English and Chinese. And um, Asian language. And um, yeah, and this is their... So I figured it out. I was like, why did they trash this room? Because they... So we find out later, this is something that they probably should have spelled out better. They trashed the room looking for the $25,000 that they gave to Johnny because they gave Johnny, or not Johnny, uh, Frank, the $25,000 that Sigourney Weaver paid them to get Frank because he said he got $25K a pop. So they're looking for the money because that was just bait money. So out of all of this, Honest John never got paid for this. Yes. Yeah. Because she hid that in the vent. Because she hid it in the vent. Yeah. And then another thing is um, Sigourney Weaver gave, we kind of yachted over it, uh, gave Michelle Rodriguez a picture of her brother, mm -hmm. which is just the actor's uh, headshot. Oh, yeah. It looked like <laughs> the, the exact picture is on his IMDb page as his headshot. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, you know how Letty is with, with pictures. Yeah. There's only one picture of somebody. That's all that's allowed. Um, so Honest John did, however, steal Frank's guns. Mm-hmm. And now, which is a bummer, because now he'll have to use his money to buy new ones. Oh, no, his $25,000. Yeah, where will he find a gun that he can get for $25,000? Um, so then there, uh, we're up to crappy comic transition number four. After we get a real good job of paying attention to um, uh, area codes, it's a 451 area code when San Francisco is 415. <laughs> Oh no! What happened? She types in four five one. She gets a phone number and it's a four five one area code. And I'm like, this is great attention to detail. I think it's Johnny's number. Johnny's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's four five one. So great attention to detail, guys. Okay, so then we go back to the interview room, and the doctor is bragging about being from wealth and not blowing it like her brother. Yeah. Which we uh, find out her brother later on, they say he was like a respected art collector with like this massive collection. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really blow it. I mean, people knew who he was and he, his lifestyle is just different from hers. Yeah, but he did buy quite a quite a bit of drugs and hookers. <laughs> I guess that's true. Then again, we find out later that she is simply buying hookers for her assistant. yeah. So really, it's it's like that whole thing. It's like, well, I can't give this money to this homeless person. I'll just use it on alcohol. And it's like, well, I'll just use it on alcohol. So yeah. <laughs> so maybe she shouldn't throw stones. Yeah. Uh, so she had political enemies, she claims, uh, among her colleagues and says she lost her license because of sexism and not because of the illegal experiments on homeless people. Yeah. Real, uh, real like um blaming everybody else for your own problem sort of deal it's like well, you were doing illegal illegal experimental operations on homeless people but yes it was sexism and people had it out for you she says as you know i'm a woman yes. <laughs> he expects tony Shalhoub to go oh my god what have we done <laughs> wait a second he rips up all the notes he's like you're free to go get her get her out of these chains yeah um, i wrote everyone got mad at her for sucking <laughs> Because she sucks, and she's like, oh, you know, it was, it was sexism and all this stuff. I'm like, no, you suck. Right. You just suck. You suck. It's hard you do, to you. It's hard to talk to you. You do. Okay, so you can do illegal op operations on homeless people, or 
be a condescending jerk to everyone. You can't do both. Oh. <laughs> Pick Otherwise, one or the other. Um, yeah. This ex- uh, Oh, she explains that she became a black market gender transition surgeon. Okay? Yes. Um, and... and uh, <laughs> this, yeah, okay. I was going to say, this is the point where I would like to... For everybody that's gotten this far into the episode, here is your payoff. Go listen to the Behind the Bastards episode of John Ronald Brown, who does exactly what Sigourney Weaver did in this movie, an underground transgender surgeon, and it is wild. So go listen. to It's a podcast. If you sat through the assignment, this is our mea culpa. This is our our, our giving back to you because it's a very good uh, couple episodes of the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm assuming he was not a great guy if he's on Behind the Bastards. No, he's not. Okay, so um, I said, you know, she's an interesting character because she keeps talking about how interesting she is. About how how uh, brutish and, and lonely and sad she is. So you know that she's lonely and sad and brooding. Misunderstood. Misunderstood. Yeah. Again, Joe, the classic mantra, tell, don't show. <laughs> we flash back to SF. Frank calls Johnny to meet for coffee at night again. Uh, <laughs> Dude, their sleep schedules have got to be wild. For sure. Um, maybe their lives would get back on track if they just started, you know, sleeping. Have some decaf. Have some decaf. We're just not being up at 2 a.m. Uh, that's true. Uh, so Johnny's a nurse. We find. Oh, no, no, wait, wait. We find out Johnny's a nurse. Uh, but also, Frank says he looks a little different. This is on the phone before. Says, uh, Frank says, I look a little different. Uh, he shaved and some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, somebody cut off my penis, just FYI. And my nose is, is different. Um, so Johnny is shocked to see Frank as a woman. Johnny says, you had plastic surgery, huh? Just like some gangster guy out of an old movie. <laughs> Not just like it. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when James Cagney cut his penis off in Public Enemy? <laughs> or when Bogart got breast implants in the Petrified Forest? Or when Pacino botched the hit in The Godfather because he was looking for the gender-neutral bathroom? They just don't make gangster movies like they used to. Oh, man. Joe, just like those old gangster movies oh, where they... Where to hide from the cops, they get uh, uh, gender transition surgery. Yep. Classic. You know, it's it, you think about gangster movies, you think about family, crime, gender transitions. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the point in the movie where uh, Michelle Rodriguez is dressing like somebody is looking for her, but nobody is looking for her. She's yep. like she's like looking over her shoulder. She's got the hoodie up, hat on, just like hunched over, trying to hide. Literally. Nobody knows who you are. You are a brand new person. Yeah, yeah. You look no, completely... No. Nobody is looking for you. Just no. calm down. Yeah. No one cares. What you are. Like, you've never existed. <laughs> yes. So, absolutely wild. Yes. So, Frank needs a place to hide out, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people are looking for him. Um, and asks to stay at Johnny's apartment. Says he'll pay. Uh, but Johnny doesn't want money. She just wants to remain fuck buddies. Yep. Uh, Frank agrees. But at the apartment says he has problems. No problem, bro. Just pick up some Viagra. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Wrong problem. Wham, wham. Which also, think about this. You go to a dive bar. You hook up with somebody. We, we know later on why 
uh, Johnny agrees to it. But this should have been a problem for Frank that she agreed to it. Um, you know, you go to a bar, you pick somebody up, you hook up in a seedy tenderloin uh, hotel. Uh-huh. Then they call you and are like, I want to live with you. And they're like, that's fine. Yeah, this is moving well. <laughs> yeah, this is the direction I thought my life should be going. <laughs> yeah, Like Frank should be like, wait, you should have given me more pushback. What's the deal here? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, what's happening? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> All right. So uh, Johnny says she has problems too. Uh, Johnny says, big boys tell me I'm a little crazy. Not sure I want to know what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems like a line from like, when you, you remember when you would write essays and you would like go through and you would like edit it and then there would be a rogue line from a previous version of a paragraph and you're like, oh, I forgot to delete this this sentence. Like 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. Like that was just a rogue line from another edition of this script that they forgot to delete. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so, uh, but they kept it in. <laughs> so uh, Frank starts playing with this weird mask that he finds. Yeah. I said in this, I said it doesn't matter for the rest of the movie. That's not true. It does come back. If yeah, but but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you were right. Your instinct was right. I I wrote why is there a Zydeco plague mask here? And I was like, oh god. I at first I thought it was signifying some sort of like she's wearing a mask now. Sort of no, it's just a mask that gets used later. A mask. And then it's how does Johnny Johnny comes up and says like. Yeah, I found that at a Halloween party last year. Yeah. And then that's the end. That's it. <laughs> that's it. What a terrible Halloween costume. Terrible. Truly terrible. Good if you're going to a secret society yes. for multi-billionaires, but not for your average Halloween party. Yeah, it would have been much better if she was like, uh, uh, Michelle Rodriguez picks up the mask and uh, Johnny's like, you've seen Eyes Wide Shot, right? something like that yeah something like that um so the interview room we're back there thank god and the doctor my favorite part (laughs) claims the forced surgery on frank was self-defense this is a new take (laughs) she hired three ex-policemen to guard her and dress up as reservoir dogs yeah again Um, joe secret script Everybody in Hollywood ripped it off. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, because she was afraid that whoever hired Frank would come after her mm-hmm. or still come after her because of uh, who knows, right? Why would Frank be? <laughs> well, she said, oh, I think that the the mob will transfer her debt or her brother's debt onto her. But we clearly established that she can just pay the debt. Yeah. So like, So like a guy would come up and be like, pay the debt or i'll break your kneecaps or whatever and then she'll be like okay i'll pay the we, debt i'll pay the debt she had said she had the money and she had given it to him once before he yeah. blew poke and hookers that's why she didn't want to continue to feed into this cycle of the guy wasting the money but the guy is gone problem solved just pay the money just pay the debt yeah and you're good to go you're good to go uh so galen chastises the doctor for not giving her brother money um so this is where she says uh it turns out that she did give the money he spent it all on hookers blow and pinball machines classic the classic trifecta joe <laughs> yeah uh when sebastian asked for more she declined which led to his death and so she kind of feels guilty about that a little way a little bit. 
Um, the doctor swears Sebastian was a brilliant, coked-out John who just never found the right hooker to set him on the proper path. He needed a what he needed was a nurse. He needed to get attacked by death machines, find a good nurse. Yes. Yeah. If we could all be as lucky as as Frank from Death Machine. <laughs> the I, other Frank. In this movie. <laughs> Correct. Who was not lucky at all. Uh, so Galen's getting fed up with the doctor's theoretical quips, and so am I. Uh, Galen decides to turn up the heat in an attempt to get something deeper out of her. Uh, Galen begins his next interview by insulting the doctor's brother, insinuating she fabricated Frank Kitchen and insisting that the doctor is sexually repressed. Yes, Frank Kitchen. So Galen is like, I know you made up Frank Kitchen because you want to get laid. Yep. Great work, Doc. Makes sense. (laughs) I don't know who's the worst doctor in this movie. The psychiatrist who who put that together or the crazy... um, uh, transition forcibly transitioning people doctor they're both pretty bad Lorena Bobbitt of sexual yeah. transition surgeons um so she bangs her medical assistant that's what we find out she's having yeah, sex yeah. with her medical assistant which I guess is important doesn't come back up later um she snaps and starts flailing her jacket arms at him <laughs> I was just happy something was happening yeah that's true this is where like you go, oh my gosh, something, you turn away from your computer screen. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, something's happening. Oh, got to take notes here. Um, then we get crappy comic transition number five. We get a flashback. Frank is trying to connect the dots to figure out why Honest John had him mangled and not murdered. Yeah, um, so this is six months after the... The, when it when it happened, you know, a movie's good when it has a flashback inside of a flashback. Yes. Or a flash forward. So it's it's the present day is Sigourney Weaver in the in the hospital. Then it flashes back to the murder. Then it flashes forward to Michelle Rodriguez getting transitioned. Then it flashes forward to Michelle Rodriguez. <sighs> talking about what she did in a flashback. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I feel like somebody else should have read this script first. Before... I keep track of the timeline. I'm I'm very impressed that you did. <laughs> but it's 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 a the modern day. Then there's a flashback, a flash forward, another flash forward, and then a flashback. Yes. And then a flash. Forward? No, inside that flashback, they come back forward. They uh, they do come back forward. Don't try too hard, Jeff. <laughs> I hate it. I need you for the next the next movie. Um, so even though she knows she killed someone, uh, even though she know, oh yeah, I said she doesn't understand why all of this stuff has happened to her or him, Frank. Frank doesn't understand why everything's happened to him, even though he knows he killed someone close to the doctor. Like he knows yeah. that from the tape. Um, Wait, yeah. He knows exactly why this happened to him. Yes. <laughs> but I guess he's trying to figure out why he was ratted out by. Oh, by Honest John. Oh, so. OK, so. Oh, I see. He's like, why did everybody betray me? Why did that happen? I thought, you know, I was, that that makes sense. But she's very he is very unclear in how he's wa- he, walking us through his process here is mine. I'm starting to think Frank Kitchen might be a stupid person. 
think he might be dumb. I so, think he might be a little dumb. A little dumb dumb. So he tapes up his swollen, quote unquote, his words, swollen tits, and has to sit down to take a piss. Yep. But if Joe, if there's anything left of Frank or Frank Kitchen, what would it be? Um. Oh. His oh, point blank game. Really quick, yes, the point blank game. But really quick, he says, um, he tapes up his swollen tits and has to sit down to take a piss. That's his words, right? I say, where's the downside? <laughs> Sounds great to me. Standing up to piss is not all it's, it's cracked up to be. It sucks. It kind of stinks. Um, so, yeah, he's shooting with a camcorder recording for someone. And this is where we get that line. Point blank, blank game. Which isn't a thing. And this is to send to his lawyer, I guess, is the story. Does he even say? I, I have no... Yeah, he said he's going to send this to his lawyer in Miami. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know, what what is he going to do with that? And be like, so you just confessed to murdering five people? Yeah, it's like, okay, so what you want I... to go to prison? Is that the point of this? What do, I, what do I do with this? Yeah, what 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 do you expect me to do with this? As your lawyer, I advise you to get rid of this file. <laughs> um, so Frank calls up uh, his Spanish-speaking contact and asks for the names of all Honest John's associates. By the way, all of Frank's contacts are Spanish-speaking. This whole—I had to turn on closed captioning, but it says in Spanish, and then it tells you the English things. Yeah, but I think that. I think Netflix screwed up and instead of overlaying the thing, they, they hit it in the closed captioning. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause there's just entire scenes that are just in Spanish with no, no subtitles. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> entire scenes. I thought something was broken. I was so confused. Right. I thought it was just gonna be one of those things where it's like stylistically, it's like a couple sentences in Spanish. You're like, Oh, what did they say? In English. Yeah, but no, Joe, it's the entire scenes are in Spanish. Of dialogue, just entire. There's like three different scenes like this. And I mean, thankfully, this is not that complex of a movie. So you can kind of tell what the hell's going on, even if you didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, Frank also buys guns from the Spanish speaking illegal arms dealer. I think that's. I think that's the same guy. I can't remember this scene that much, but I think this is the same guy she gets Honest John information from and buys her guns from. I it's- think so. I think you're correct. But this is this is the part where in the trailer I said I had to laugh because she had uh, Ninja Turtle lips saying this part. And that was, in, that was in English. So they filmed part of the scene in English. They had to have for that ex- to exist. But right. then they just went and filmed the whole thing in Spanish. I felt like I was going insane. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then there's another little comic shit thing thrown in where, like, she she fires the gun at the camera and you get a little comic bang. Yeah. I don't even know what you call that. Like, a little mini explosion out of the gun barrel. Kind of this wants to be so many different genres at once. Really cannot decide on what it wants to do. Stylistic. Yeah. Like, if you want to be a silly, like, you know, have those stylistic things, fine. But don't also have the brooding Hannibal Lecter doctor. And don't have, you know, pick pick a lane. Pick a lane. Pick a lane. That's what it's all about. Focus. Uh, so then we get, finally, our revenge uh, part of our, our movie here. We get the hit list, which is essential to any revenge film. We uh, get uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, but it's 
done very quick. <laughs> so uh, this all happens within like five minutes, which is what I'm about to say. Uh, first on the list is Earl Hawkins. He runs the pimps that runs the that run the hookers. <laughs> That's how they put that. <laughs> runs the pimp that runs the, it's you can just say pimp. You don't have to say that. Yeah. That's but see that's that's where I think uh, Walter Hill did the rewrite for the comic and was trying to get a real like Sin City because that that would be you know if it was um that oh, is a Sin City line you're right that you, is a, what's the guy um Mickey Rourke's character yeah Mickey Rourke's character I can hear his voice saying that yes you oh, know like he runs the pimps or runs the pimps that runs the hookers and the hookers but it's something you kind of laugh at yeah don't really you're just like you don't have to do that this guy gets shot in a restaurant uh then second on the list are the amici the amis trace msa trace which is ms13 ah okay yeah that's ms13 in spanish but i was like what i because i had to stop and i was like i went back with closed captioning i was like yes msa trace which is ms13 msa trace Guys, MS-13 guys, they're the East Bay heavy lifters, and they get shot through a windshield. Yep, once again, establishing Bay Area. Bay Area, guys, we're in the Bay Area. We, we never left. Uh, Joe Cadigan, who is the main dope guy, and he gets shot while having some sex. Yeah. Uh, Vladimir Gorski is next, who is uh, collections on short-term loans and an amateur dogfighter, and he gets I shot the kennel and this is where we get the only character in the movie that i care about what happens to them is it poncho poncho the dog poncho the dog i can't even remember what the last dog we covered was what was his name again mick Hot dog mick that's right mick the mick. dog yeah yeah uh so this is where frank gets dog guys uh out of this this interaction and names him poncho and poncho and I- is such a they should have named poncho ham-fisted metaphor for frank scarred aggressive doesn't want to be that way is yeah. now now domesticated with johnny it should just they should just call poncho frank correct um but frank immediately moves this dog into johnny's apartment which seems a little rushed <laughs> yeah seems like you should have had a conversation with johnny it's like oh by the way this is a murder dog this is a kennel a fighting dog a fighting dog this one might might take a little time to domesticate. Yeah, she's like, it's fine. She's like, I pet I pet him on the head. We have an agreement. It's like, what yeah. are you talking about? So instead of getting into an argument, they bang instead. <laughs> yes. But Johnny came in hot, just complaining. I was like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny had a bad day at work. Um, number five on the list is Jin Tao. And this is Honest John's odd job from before. Yeah, from the beginning. Um, so he gets shot in a smoky back room with a bunch of other dudes. Yeah, this is the guys in the trailer who the suit, the guys in the suits that we were trying to figure out if they were um, Cop. doctor. Yeah, cops, Dr. Jane's boys. Like, who were they? Turned out to be Honest John's crew. Uh, so that explains. Oh, no, no, no. Frank explains that no silencers are best for large groups of targets because the noise can, quote, throw off their aim. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. If you're, you think about this, if you're a mob hitman, is if it, you're a mob hitman, is it to be believed that you have never heard guns fi- gunfire before? That yeah, that would, that's true. 
disturbing to you. You'd be like, ah! Just drop the gun and like, <laughs> no, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it works in this. It's it's the equivalent of asking the guy in Too Fast, Too Furious to, to hold the wheel. And right. he's like, ah! What do I do? It's like, I've never driven a car before. Um, so we head back to the interview hospital. And Galen is, this is just a quick cut. Galen visits the doctor at her cell, okay, mm-hmm. this is after the attack. Uh, and the doctor wants to confess, first apologizes for her behavior from, from before, and wants to confess to, quote, all the crimes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then we cut back to the flashback. Well, Frank- this is, wait, one thing, this is the scene where I was like, oh, I was right. She must have, this is where I knew, because I was looking for it, because my idea for her cutting off the scalpel finger, this is where I knew that Frank had done something to her hands because she has her hands in a hoodie and she like lifts the hoodie up to take off her glasses. And I'm like, they're trying really hard to not show her hands. It's in that pocket or something. Yeah. So she's, like, she's reading. Yeah. She's reading a book and she's got her hands in her, in her hoodie pocket, which is fine. But then when she goes to take off her glasses, she stands up and like lifts her hands up in the hoodie pocket and, and take, I'm like, okay, they're, they're hiding something with the hands. It's a good point. I didn't even notice that. Um, uh, but I also did think, you know, uh, while we're on that strain, uh, it's an interesting reason for having her in a straitjacket. Yeah. Movie. Yeah, because the sleeves are longer than the hands. So that was. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Frank, we've cut back to the flashback. Frank is now seeing a real, quote unquote, real surgery doctor to ask whether he can get his innie turned back into an Audi. Yes. So this is, yeah, transgender surgery doctor. And he's like, what? No, what? No. He's, he's basically like, it sounds like you got this done in like a CD back alley. And she's like, well, um, uh, oh, real doctor. Totally. Yeah. Real, real doctor did this. Totally. Um, yeah. So Frank wants to know if reversal is possible or at the very least, if he can still get off. Yeah. At least one or the other. One or the other is fine. Um, the surgery doctor says it usually takes six months to a year and too long. Frank wants his dick back. He's right. Yeah. Back. Um, so then there's a complete reversal. Oh, we find out that a complete reversal is currently medically impossible. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's Frank having to decide that this is the way it's going to be mm-hmm. back, back at the apartment. Frank is moping while Johnny showers. Uh, Johnny steps out of the shower and recommends she's fully naked. A lot of nudity in this movie that just was, <laughs> you know, as a guy. Unnecessary. I watched it. You know, it's funny. I watched a movie called Life Force. Quick aside. Life Force about, uh, it, it's got kind of a B-movie plot, but it's actually pretty well done. It's about like space vampires. And the main space vampire is a fully naked woman. The entire time. She's naked the entire movie. All right. But, and you might go, what? Why? But it actually plays into the movie because of this, like, psychic trance that a vampire can, you know, allure. She allures these men in and then she sucks the life out of them. And so her being naked, you kind of feel that. She's a gorgeous girl. You feel that as an audience member. So you're like, okay, this, this plays a point. This has a point in the movie. I get why it's there. And why it is this way. None of this nudity in this movie it has serves a purpose. 
at all, really. It's it's pointless and it's just like it's unnecessary. Yeah. Like I get okay, I get when Michelle Rodriguez like discovers the surgery. That I get. But like we don't need like this Johnny doesn't be, need to be naked here. We no. don't need the prosthetic dong from the beginning. The prosthetic dong, that's a good, another one, right? Like we get it. She's a guy. She has a beard. We understand. We take. We're listening to your story. Yeah. Tell us what's happening. Yeah, um, and it's it's just yeah, it's all so unnecessary. Totally. This scene specifically stood out as like completely unnecessary nudity scene uh to make it exciting remember we were talking with the trailer the editing was made to make this boring shit seem exciting this nudity is the only way we're going to listen to johnny recommending that uh frank goes to costa rica to hide out yeah and change and change change his name and free the flee the country again nobody is looking for him right nobody is looking for him right <laughs> No one's looking for him. There's nobody tra- tracing him. Also, you have to imagine Johnny's thinking, and take that fucking dog with you. Like, that's really the the bottom line of why she's uh, suggesting this. Yeah, she's like, please leave, and yes, take the dog with you. Take your street fight dog with you. Um, so then we're back at the interview hospital, and uh, we get introduced to Deputy District Attorney Paul Wincott, who is leading the hearing to receive the doctor's testimony. Real glad we got his name in there. Would have been hard to follow otherwise. Yeah, extremely necessary. You know what? We we do give a lot. We did talk a lot of trash about like Death Machine, or, like the Marquini movies and Fast and Furious not giving us names. Yeah. This movie gives you names immediately. Right away for unnecessary characters. Characters well, who are in and out of the scene. Yeah, like the movie starts. It's like Dr. Galen, Dr. Jane. It's like, okay, I know who you are. I know who you are. And it's like, Let's talk about Frank Kitchen. Got all three of them, right? Of, good, perfect. Johnny is in the movie the longest without getting a name. Yes. No, but even she says, name's Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> but I was going to say, it was just a couple minutes. Right. Um, yeah, so the doctor admits to performing unwanted sex chain surgery on Frank Kitchen as revenge. Yes. The doctor says, I, <laughs> this is great, I want you to understand this, and the record will bear me out. I'm hugely sympathetic to those who want who want and choose to participate in gender reassignment. Good save. Wrong. Right. Wrong. You wouldn't use it as a punishment. Hey, I said good save, writers. Now just get through the next 30 minutes. Uh, the doctor then continues to explain that she's not only not not woke, but is in fact the wokest of all. She chose a man who reveled in his masculinity, and also she was conducting an experiment attempting to reinforce the theory that gender is an identity that cannot be altered through anatomical transformation. Nailed it, guys. <laughs> Good job. Nailed the dismount. You got it. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, and this is where she confesses to the crime of hubris. Joe, is hubris a crime? I don't think so. Otherwise, everyone in this movie would be in jail. <laughs> oh, man. She's a uh, uh, this is this is a scene. This is Sigourney Weaver's like, well, maybe I can squeeze some sort of awards out of this. And and this is her her attempt at doing that. And it just falls. No, this falls so flat. It, 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 yeah, this is her Morgan Freeman in uh, um, oh, 
God, what's that prison movie? Oh, Shawshank. She's gonna Shawshank. get li- get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, but, but like very end scene. Frankly, I don't give a damn. Okay. Yeah, she ends this. This is we keep talking about how the present day is the writers and producers expressing their contempt for the audience. This is how she ends her whole speech. I will answer no questions. None of you are worth my time. Now take me back to myself. That's right. It's like, that's Walter Hill going, no, I won't explain myself. Eat my sloppy piggies. Now get <laughs> me away from you. <laughs> Eat my shit and leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> Basically, this is, this, is her exp- this is Walter Hill expressing his contempt for the audience. Yeah, yeah. I instead of putting any of this entire monologue, I just put this poor stenographer. Yeah. <laughs> this, this stenographer in the room. Just rolling her eyes. Just having to keep going and add every additional three to five words that that uh, Sigourney Weaver adds to a sentence or a paragraph. I want them to cut to the stenographer just going. <laughs> just, All right. Writer. <laughs> flips the typewriter just like i give up storms out of the room um so then we get a flashback and this flashback is to frank frank shoots tons of honest john's bodyguards mm-hmm. this is john's compound and then ties honest john to a chair frank threatens honest john with a butane lighter uh, but Honest John tells her how he supplied says that's not gonna be necessary i'll, I'll give you everything you want Tells her how he supplied the experimental hobos for the doctor. Also tells Frank that Johnny is a spy for the doctor because nurses work for doctors. That was, he was like, put it together. Nurses, doctors, nurses, doctors, put it together. Only an idiot wouldn't understand nurses, doctors. What I like is Honest John is like, look, you killed my cousin. I didn't want to, I, I wanted to let bygones be bygones, but my nagging family kept bothering me about it. Like, right. that was his whole thing. <laughs> He's like, you killed my cousin. You know, I'm like, cost of doing business, but my aunt would not shut up about her dead son. Well, I said this. I said, in, also, in an unnecessary plot twist, Honest John tells Frank that the family was putting pressure on him to get rid of Frank for whacking one of his cousins. Yeah. And what was so funny is uh, Frank is going to torture him with, like, a, bru- a brulee torch. Like, this little ba- tiny baby torch. Like, the, the minute not- black noisy cricket of blow torches. What you get at uh, 7-Eleven. Yeah. Like- yeah, it is. It's a 7-Eleven, like, torch lighter that, like, 16-year-olds get because they think it's awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. I had five of these in college. Yeah. And um, this is, again, another so much contempt for the audience. He's like, she's a nurse. Nurses work for doctors. And Johnny go, or Frank goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> How did I not see this before? How did I not put this together? And Joe, I am mercifully on my last page of notes now for this movie. Okay, well, I think I got like two more. So oh, no. We're back at the apartment, and Frank wants to talk to Johnny over vodka and ominous moping. Uh, Johnny stole the drugs, we find out. She admits it. Uh, for the doctor. Mm-hmm. It was good money and a fucked up period of her life. Also, she admits to spying on Frank. Uh, this is where we find out that Albert, the assistant, li- likes hookers and the doctor pays for them. Uh, and then he likes some exotic. Yeah. Uh, loves, the- loves kinky, exotic hookers. Yeah. Uh, so the safe thing to do is to kill her. But instead, we get a predictable fake out. Uh, Johnny lives, but Frank breaks some of her stuff. 
Yeah. Wait a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. This this was the fake out. This is, I was like, no, he killed Johnny. I was like, nope, it did that stupid thing where it's like, here's how the scene plays out. And then it has that noise. Yeah. Snap back to the to reality where it goes, go to Reno for three weeks, which I'll take a bullet to the brain instead. Yeah. <laughs> Finish it now. <laughs> no offense. Doesn't your sister live in Reno? So no offense to your sister. Yeah, sorry, Joe. Uh, I think she stopped listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> um, so Frank gives her some money and sends her on a bus to Reno. That'll show her. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a real punishment. Um, Frank gives a, oh, gives 10 grand to a guy with a dog farm to take care of Poncho. I was like, this guy is going to kill Poncho. I was, this is, I was actually scared for Poncho because it's, it's the trope. Oh yeah. I've got a farm upstate with like, uh, like uh, 20 dogs. Does that sound like the right amount of dogs? Yeah. 20 ish. They all run free. It's big area, big farm. They They love it there. Love it there. I was like, oh, this is. No, <laughs> not really. I, that's what I thought that like when she gets out of the car and or the van and she's like walking away, I thought you were just going to hear a <laughs> and like a muzzle flash through the window. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Frank told Johnny to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we shortly after find out that that phone call was made to Albert. Um, Frank then dresses like a hooker. Okay, we get this little montage of uh, him dressing like a hooger uh, with a blonde wig and a halter top. Mm-hmm. And that awful mask. That Zydeco plague mask. From before. Uh, Albert saw this coming, though, a mile away. Yeah. They... Albert, Albert, by the way, if uh, Sebastian, her brother, was Dime Store uh, Gary Oldman, uh, uh, Albert is Dime Store Brian Cranston. Oh, I was going to say Dime Store Putty from Seinfeld. Oh, that's good. But yeah, but he's got the Brian Cranston look to him. Yes, a little bit, of, kind of a mix between Brian Cranston and, and Warburton. That's his yeah, name. Yeah, Patrick Warburton, yeah. Um, so he saw this a mile away, and they all bum rush her, him, Frank. They bum rush Frank. <laughs> yeah. Frank gets injected uh, with something. And this is, where we, this is where we learn... Uh, his type, Albert's type, is hotties. Hotties. He likes yeah. hotties. He's like, you said you're a hottie, just my type. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, we get our sixth awful comic book transition. Okay? Sixth amazing comic book transition. Uh, well, there's one more. I'm glad you like them. <laughs> so Frank wakes up in a straitjacket in a cell, and the doctor comes in to mock him. Uh, and then Albert fills frank's water di- water dish they give him a water dish yeah like a dog like a dog uh there's another surgery scheduled for 10 p.m to uh thin out frank's eyebrows i guess <laughs> cut the ponytail maybe i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do they're, they're gonna take off his arm that's true yes they reveal it uh cut off frank's arm at the shoulder replaced with a flipper just like all women have. <laughs> That's right. That classic thing, flippers. And they, there's also weird, like, uh, you're hot in a waitress shop girl kind of way. Yeah, what was that about? Again, I think a rogue line. Because a waitress slash shop girl really feels like it's a callback to something else. But it's not. It's just something that appears out of thin air. I know there was a movie called Shop Girl, but I'm not entirely sure I know what that term means. No. I mean, 
I think like a shop girl is somebody who works in a shop. I, I don't know. I don't know. Tail girl, maybe. Um, okay. Interesting. So why is this scene, Jeff, answer this. Why is this scene intercut with the camcorder recording? Walter Hill. Walter Hill. Um, please contact us once, Walter Hill. Hey, Walt, give us a call. I'd like to know some of this. Um, Frank seduces Albert and the two goons with his fake boobs and vagina and then kills them all. Mm-hmm. Finally, Because he had a hidden gun. A hidden gun? He strapped a gun to his leg. Or did he grab a gun out of the holster? Out of a guy's holster? I think he grabbed it out of the holster. Oh, out of the holster? Okay. And out of the holster, shoots the other guy, shoots the other guy. Oh, good. I'm glad they spent time showing us that he taped a gun to his leg for that to not come through to fruition. That's good. <laughs> That's good. But this is where I, I put, uh, you thought this was going to be a street fight? Yeah. <laughs> After she shoots everybody. Um, so the doctor then emerges. Well, I mean, first she chases down Albert, right? Yeah. Chases him in the whatever. Um, he's like waiting behind a door. He like hides behind a door with like the syringe. And he knows he, she's armed. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, you know, what's faster than a bullet. Me jumping at this woman with a syringe. A syringe that usually takes a few minutes to take effect. Yeah. Um, Frank is, oh, the doctor emerges from the steam with another monologue. <laughs> oh, goody. Uh, Frank is out of bullets, so the doctor suggests they both just walk away. Oops. Yeah. You killed everybody. You could beat me to death. But how about a truce? How about a truce? How about we call it a truce? Yeah. How about we call it? I ruined your life. You killed some other guys. I'm. Why don't Why don't we do this? Why don't I get off scot-free and you go away forever? How does that sound? Sounds good, right? Yeah. But um, Joe, she definitely didn't hide a bullet in her shoe like we saw earlier, did she? I think she did. She <gasps> Scorny Weaver couldn't know that. She's not. She doesn't have to watch this whole movie like we do. I'm just happy that something from the beginning of the movie actually paid off at the end of the movie. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's finally. It's a. It's a decent enough callback. Uh, the doctor swears she's a humanitarian, but Frank's not convinced. She. Sh- he shoots the doctor in the shoulder. Does something with a scalpel. We don't mm-hmm. know what. Uh, then. Goes around wiping all her prints, his prints, puts the gun in Albert's hand, completely, oh, completing the perfect staging of a man shooting himself three times in the torso and once in the back of the leg. Correct. There's one gun that gets fired and he does all that stuff. And this is all after he cuts off, he shoots Sigourney Weaver in the shoulder, cuts off her fingers. Slab. Yes off and then yeah shoots himself <laughs> in the back of the leg in the chest in three to, in the back of the leg first i imagine because that's the least critical and then all shoots himself in three different areas of the chest um it's the perfect crime joe perfect crime for to, some reason right <laughs> yeah to the point that these uh you know the police doctors like dr galen like tony shalhoub are like Come on. It's open and shut that Albert did this. Uh, this. This is by the book guy shooting himself three times in the chest, the back of the leg. If you've seen one guy shoot himself in the chest three times in the back of the leg, you've seen a million. You've seen them all. Um, so we go back to the hospital interview and Galen bids the doctor farewell. 
says he thinks she's entirely full of shit. Galen wants to know what the doctor's been trying to pull from the get-go. And he's not going anywhere until he gets an answer. The doctor admits to trying to manipulate Galen to get back to trial, hire some hotshot lawyers, hope for a jury of fellow psychopaths, and pray for the best. Um, she also says she has accepted her fate, but wanted an account of the truth on record. Then recites, good night, moon, like all great literature aficionados. The classics, Shakespeare, Poe, good night, moon. Good night, moon. <laughs> good night, cow, jumping over the moon. Yes. Uh, so Frank feels bad about Johnny. She stayed in Reno because she stayed in Reno. Uh, no, she stayed in Reno for some reason. Again, who gives a shit? <laughs> she stayed in Reno because her options are go back to the town where she was tied up with mobsters or not. Yeah. Go back to the, the city where she was going through, quote unquote, a fucked up period of her life before she got tied up with mobsters. who are Yeah. Now yeah. And she committed numerous crimes. And it was an accessory to numerous murders. Or she could just fall off the grid. Hop states. Hope to get off that way. But I said in my notes, who gives a shit about any of this? <laughs> no, but, but Joe, one character I care about in this movie comes back. Oh, my. Well, Poncho's we'll... back. Is Poncho back? Yeah, they show at the end that um, uh, when uh, Poncho is in the hotel room with... Um, Frank. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know Poncho was there. Poncho's okay, Joe. Oh, thank God. He survived that uh, ordeal that he was in. The one character I care about. Uh, one more thing. Apparently, the doctor will never play the piccolo again. Nope. <laughs> no, I was thinking, like, is this the scene? Because it, like, pulled up to her in a bathtub. They're like, oh, my God, she's nude. Because for you, you were like, there's so many signs that there's no fingers. I just looked at this scene where she's naked. And I'm like, are we going to get this penis reattachment? <laughs> Sigourney Weaver with oh, a Oh, yeah, that's right. You wanted her to reattach her, her own penis. Or you wanted Frank to reattach his own penis to Sigourney Weaver. All she has to do is get up out of the bathtub. And the penis is there. And everyone infers the rest. And then it, if that happened, I would only be happy if it cut to a, if it did, if they did a Star Wars ending. Like she stands up and there's the penis and then it's just like uh, a circle trans, you know, the circle close that they do at the end. And then. Yeah, that's the only thing I would be happy with. Uh, the end. The, the end. end. Comic transition number seven. Uh, but it's not the end, Jeff, because I stuck around. Wait, hold on, Joe. We didn't say what actually happened. She had oh, no fingers. Yes. Well, she had thumbs. She had thumbs. Well, finger thumbs aren't fingers, Joe. Whatever. <laughs> Have you ever seen a thumb thing? That's true. Oh, there they go. There they uh, go. So, yeah, no fingers. So, even worse than I thought. I thought it was just going to be a scalpel finger, but... Um, wants to make sure she can't grab even like this. She can't... Any she, She's got to do scalpels with her thumbs. Her claw it. Claw it. Yeah. 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 Which explains, you know, I want to know how she does anything. Uh, well, she lives in an institution, so she has everything done for her. This oh, is where people are getting that's washed. That's the life. <laughs> yeah, I thought that actually at the end. I was like, 
man, these institutions are something. <laughs> yeah. And why was she trying to like, why would she try to get out and potentially end up in a prison where yeah. she would not get the same treatment and would not have any fingers and would not be able to hold a shank to defend herself. She could like tape it to her hand, to her thumbs, <laughs> to her th- thumb shanks, thumb shanks. Oh, okay, Jeff. It's not totally over yet. I stuck around. Uh, yeah. Why did you do that? Because as then, soon as the credits started, I was like, oh, thank God I'm done with this movie. Because I got the best part of the movie, uh, which is right after this other part of the movie. So note to the director, Frank Kitchen doesn't need two credits. Your makeup team is not that talented. <laughs> yeah. Nobody did the uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the screen. Going, oh, <laughs> they're like, that was Michelle Rodriguez. Wow, did you see that? Yeah, no, it was definitely Michelle Rodriguez with pubic hair on her face. We understand. Um, so, yeah. Then, gotta love a movie that quotes its own character. <laughs> we get a closing quote after the credits from Frank Kitchen himself. And here is what it says. This move, this quote, I feel, really sums up the point of the movie, the whole movie, yeah? Mm-hmm. It, it goes, a 45 always tells the truth. You can use it for good or bad, but it never lies. Frank Kitchen. They did Ball Don't Lie with a gun. They what? They, you know Ball Don't Lie in basketball? Right. They did Ball Don't Lie, but with a 45. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> in a movie where a character goes on and on about better educating yourself, reading the likes of Shakespeare and Poe, the best they could come up with for a quote for the end of this movie is from a character they made up. Yes. That is not a franchise character. This isn't quoting Luke Skywalker. This is quoting Frank fucking Frank, Kitchen. Frank Kitchen. And we we skipped past it, but all this Poe talk, it was just for the payoff of Nevermore. Yes. Oh, um, we did skip on that. Yes. Yeah. So the doctor posts Nevermore, Nevermore. Nevermore. Yeah, that Frank is no longer going to be a man. Which A picture of old Frank with the beard and new Frank without completely unnecessary (laughs) completely unnecessary you're quoting poe you're quoting shakespeare all movie don't have a frank kitchen quote to end your movie have a poe or a shakespeare quote right as if that would mean anything to us (laughs) you're like oh frank kitchen said this okay you know what else frank kitchen said all of his lines in the movie right we were there we were just there (sighs) yeah so joe this was really bad this transitions well into how you feel about the movie. How do you feel? It was it was really bad. And I listened yesterday morning um, to our pre-action. And um, you said, this movie needs two things to be good. It needs some sort of scene where we get Michelle Rodriguez exacting her revenge on uh, Sigourney Weaver with like a torture scene and all that stuff. Where we, we see- did. We see it. We did not get that. It also needs a climactic scene where there's a good back and forth of like one liner dialogue between Sigourney Weaver and Michelle Rodriguez. Uh We did not get that. We didn't. 
You know what this movie needed to be good? What? To be a completely different movie. Yeah, totally from... This is a fucking dilapidated house. It's there, like, how do we fix this guy up? You don't. You burn it down and start over. You you start a fire for the insurance money and you start over. You start with the, the plot of land. That's the blank reel. <laughs> so he made he wrote this script in 1978, Joe. Yeah. This movie was filmed in 2016. So yeah. you've got... From, he wrote the script in 78. So 88. 98 2008 this script uh-huh. is almost 40 years old walter harrell has been trying to make this movie for almost 40 years this is his magnum opus this was his gift to humanity sure. this is what he trudged through producing uh, uh alien and aliens and and directing the warriors all through all this time what he had in the back of his mind was i can't wait to make the assignment yeah, those were just the movies that were was gonna get him to a place where he could make his his thing. And those were his Filipino <laughs> stunt devil movies. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. That his, funded his his dream movie of the assignment. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you gotta believe that somewhere in the back of Sigourney Weaver's mind that she was doing Alien and Aliens and um. What was that? She did the Jane Goodall movie, Gorillas in the Mist, uh, and some other stuff. Uh, Cabin in the Woods, as we mentioned. The whole time, you have to imagine, she was like, all I really want to do is be on screen for an hour and a half monologuing. Can we figure out how to do that? As little action as possible. Yeah. Uh, Where I don't have to put really effort into it, but I can, the camera will be on me so much that people will understand that I'm important. Yes. That's that's all I need. So, Joe, this movie is easily the worst one we've watched. It's stunk. And I'll I'll say this. I've learned something over the last three, four really bad movies that we've made. And really, I'll, I'll include the Fast and Furious movies. There is a difference. There, there are different categories of bad movies. Yes. Bad movies that are fun to watch and fun to talk about. And then there's this shit. Yes which is not fun and not fun to talk about. And I will never watch again. There will never be a scenario where I'll watch this again. There's no, there's not even like, Hey, check out how wild this movie is. Right. Someone brings that up at a party. I'm like, you fuck yourself. (laughs) Like death machines, karate cop, Omega cop. I would be like, check this movie out. This movie is insane. Dude. I would throw it on in the back of like a poker party and just like continuously get, Hey, this is a great scene. Yeah. Check this out. Look, he shoots the gun. It shoots four guys at once. Why? Right. Why, why does it do that? <laughs> like, so we have our fancy baseball league. I made my team name a solar madness reference. Yes. Cause we like the movie. Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> I mean, it has its moments. The solar madness part with Dr. Latimer is probably the funniest thing we've seen in all of these movies so far. Yes. There is not a, re- this, this movie was the movie equivalent of cream of wheat. It's a sludge that I consumed. I don't want to remember anything about it. I don't remember any details what? about it. I would have much rather been doing something else, but I guess I got sustenance out of it. It's the movie equivalent of cream of wheat. Of gruel. I wouldn't even call it cream of gruel. wheat. Gruel. gruel. Well, I was going to say it's the gruel from the Matrix. Yes. The sludge. But the slop had nutritional value. Yeah, this does not. This is <laughs> sure. bad. 
people from this? Have we grown at all? No. I have to refresh myself with something, and I don't know exactly what. Uh, well, Joe, do you know what we're going to refresh ourselves with? Next week's movie. A movie that we have both seen. We're breaking the mold because I picked this movie. I will own this movie. I told Joe and I had to set ground rules for picking. We had to set ground rules for picking future movies because this movie was so bad. This one set a precedent. Like we have now standards. Yes. So next week's movie, we're breaking the rule because we're going to do a movie we've seen before. But we know it's bad. But we know it's bad in a fun way. It's fun. Joe, what movie is it? Jeff, we are going to be covering the smash hit of 2006, 300. Zack Snyder's 300, baby. Snyder, baby. Yes. Truly terrible movie. Also, a movie that you have probably seen, you, the person listening to this, because everybody went to see it. And we were talking about how it was the perfect Bush era film before. It was the distilled essence of the George W. Bush era film. And um, I think that that's a pretty good fodder for for this podcast. Totally. And it, it kind of jumps. It has a lot of actors that were big. Uh, jump-started Gerard Butler's career, mm-hmm. which is now, I guess, a thing of the past. Yes. Uh, although, no, is he? he's in the Fallen movies. The yeah, he's he's in the Fallen movies. So we'll get to cover him again. Um, the Fallen <laughs> movies are good, and, or well, good for our purposes. And then he was in uh, The Inside Man. That was a good movie. Didn't see that one. Oh, is that Joe. the Washington one? It's an, yeah, it's an actual good movie. Okay. He's a bank robber. It's an actual good movie. You should check it out. Folks, if you've come this far, check out The Inside Man. <laughs> Let's just start recommending movies you like. Uh, but it also has Lena Headley in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 300. Uh, Queen, what's her name again? Cersei herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it has more people in it than I'm right. Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. And it's a, it's a terrible movie. Fun to watch. Uh, back in the age where comic books comic book stylized movies were just starting to break into things yeah so that's right next week's movie 300 it is our apology to you folks for the assignment and to ourselves (laughs) and to ourselves yeah um so i think that'll do it for this week's episode of the reactionaries podcast uh if you liked what you heard you probably didn't (laughs) because don't judge us on this episode we usually don't go i Uh, uh, we usually don't do that but if you like what you heard please rate review subscribe on your podcast app of choice if you didn't like what you heard just subscribe download delete the episode because we already got the download that's all that matters so until next week with 300 for joe i'm jeff i have no pithy lines from this movie to say because i have completely scrubbed it from my memory here's i was a boy